Welcome, welcome, welcome to You've Championed Yourself. Who are you? I am Chris Ferguson, your host. It has always been a dream of mine to showcase people who have taken their dreams, their ideas, and then turned it into their realities. As we many times have to reach beyond our personal struggles, our pains, and our traumas, where so many people give up or lose hope, there are those few that walk through their obstacles, walk past their challenges. They're not sure where they're going, where it's going to take them. They trust themselves enough not to give up, to do the follow through in their personal life, their career, and in relationships. This is what I call a champion. Today, I have an amazing lady here to, with me, and it's Beverly Seamet. And we have a lot in common. So I'm honored and I'm excited to interview her. So let's bring Beverly in. Good morning. Yes, it's a great morning. It's a little snowy, crispy morning here in Wyoming. <laughs> I think it's like a 43 degree here in Tennessee. But most people don't oh. know is that I used to live in Wyoming for years and I loved it. I was a hunter. I had horses. I, I loved it. This morning, what I always try to start up, you know, start conversations with people is their backstory. What was it in your life? What situation happened that you decided this is not for me? I'm not going to settle anymore. I'm going to turn the tides here and become my best person. Can you remember what that was, that time, that moment? Oh, definitely, because I was right on the edge of suicide. And um, mm. um, this was back in 1974. And I was the mother of three little ones under the age of five. I used to always just say, hey, you know, I had sex three times. I had three kids. And it's like, er. <laughs> Okay, uh, I'm second oldest of 11 kids, right? And it's like, I'm not going to follow my mother's footsteps. And being in that marriage, I had lost my identity. And I was mm. someone who was a little rebel, totally adventurous. You know, I, I grew up in the Midwest on a farm, you know, and back then in the 70s, there was no spiritual movements or anything like that going on, right? So you're pretty much on your own. And, mm. you know, you just didn't talk about certain things and and that strict religion background that i had you know was d divorce wasn't an option and it's like you know i i didn't know who i was anymore i was like a possession i was just a thing i didn't even have a name half the time right and and you're kind of related to as by association so one night i decided okay i've had enough i'm out of here and i fought depression throughout my childhood and I decided I was going to give God a piece of my mind and let all that anger that I've stored out for 24 years and just cut loose. And after that, I mean, I always had this intuitiveness about me and I heard voices and I followed these voices and whatever. But that night was extra special because, you know, what the voice said to me was who is going to take care of your kids if you're not there. That was my wake up call. It's like, OMG. <laughs> that means I got to hang around for a long time because they're all under the age of five. It's like, are you kidding me? So it's like, fine, let's make a deal. So I'm, I'm out here making a deal with God, right? It's like, I went out of this dead end marriage. I went out of Iowa. I want, I want, I want, I want all this stuff. I wanted my identity back. I wanted to know who I was. So for me, 
you know, it was getting that. And that boy said, just, it just said, okay. I'm like, who does that? <laughs> right? <laughs> and so it's like, okay. It's like, well, you know, and then, and then the voice says mind over matter. And we'll get to that part a little bit later, but it was like, I didn't know what that meant back then. I was 24 out in the middle of the toonie boonies on a farm. You know what I'm saying? And then it was like, start living your life for you and your kids. Now that I could do. That was one of the major pivoting points of my life at that time where I started living my life for my kids. I started to find out who is Beverly. And that's what put me on this journey of really helping people find their identity. Mm-hmm. Because when you find your identity, you find your purpose. Mm-hmm. And that set me on the journey to where uh, I am today. I, lo- I love that story. But there's more people who think the way you think. And I love the vulnerability in the story that you told. Because a lot of people get to that point, they lose hope, or they just don't know what to do next. They don't know right. what step to take. And instead of saying, okay, let me just quiet the mind. Let me just, let me sit back and, and let me just go within. If more people would go within and look at the, the quiet and listen, not to the inner chatter, but listen to themselves, they would find their purpose. They would find their passion just like you did. And I love the fact that most people don't realize the Midwest, if you're not in a big city, it's tough. It is and at like being on a farm or being in the middle of Wyoming, you know, it's it's desolate. There's I still think there's probably a little when I was there back in the 80s, there was only like 300,000 people in the entire state. I don't know that it's grown that much since then. However, it still isn't the booming metropolis of like Denver or Salt Lake City. You have some cities, but they're not. I mean, you got Casper, Cheyenne, Rollins, what Green River, Sweetwater, those kind of towns, but everything else is small town world and small town attitudes, small towns, understanding, small town thinking. And so I honor you that you were able to that living out in the farm in the middle of nowhere to say, I've got to start living for myself. I wish more people would, would have that reality to themselves. It's a hard road. But it's a reality that if they did, they wouldn't go through so much that they did. They did. So you, at some point, moved to Denver. Oh gosh, I've been. I'm a gypsy. Okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I did move to Denver. It was like nine years later when I really got my act together and everything, you know, because I I really strategically planned this out, right? And um, I, I I told my ex, I said, okay, I'm taking the kids. I'm moving to dinner. You give me any, you know what? And you all wish to God you never met me. And I left. I just, I put my kids in a little AMC spirit, you know, a few clothes myself and to Denver we went. And that's when life started shifting. Um, I filed for divorce and I took my maiden name back, which now was a huge part of, I, of my identity. And, you know, as, as life went on, I studied numerology and astrology and things like that. But numerology is very dear to my heart. And when I really understood why I was feeling not connected to myself, 
was because my married name just was static. It just, it, it didn't fit. And when I went back to my maiden name, all of a sudden I felt a freedom. I felt alive. I felt, wow, I got me back, you know, and not everyone, you know, will feel that way. But think about that when you study the numerology mm -hmm. and you understand frequency and I am a frequency freak, you know, and because everything is frequency, right? You know, mm -hmm. so when you're working in the healing arts on all different levels, but moving to Denver from farmland USA to Denver, Colorado. Wow. You mm -hmm. know, I, I went into a man's business. I was actually outside sales in a parts department. You know, and I, I grew up as a tomboy, you know, from little on. I, I think the first time I crawled inside of a combine, I was probably three or four years old. My dad gave me a flashlight and a screwdriver and a pliers and said, OK, you see this, you see this, you see that. Right. And and putting pieces together. So for me, you know, that was kind of a natural. And, uh, you know, and then I, I ended up getting in the sandpaper business where I sold sandpaper to body shops. I actually started my own business, went into every aspect of automotive, you know, in six months I had a six figure business, mm. which was something that, you know, blew me away, you know, because little farm girl from Iowa, I'll tell you, <laughs> you know, when, when someone gave me a thousand dollars to start my own business, I thought I died in one day and I had never seen a thousand dollars. I mean, it sounds really weird, but I'd never seen a thousand dollars in one spot. You know, and it's like, whoa, a thousand bucks, man, I can do all this stuff, you know. So there was there was no barrier in between. Mm -hmm. Right. And building again that relationship. So you're learning how to build relationships and communicate, you know, with people and you serve them. You give them what they want. They're going to give you back. You know, I, I was accused of a lot of things by some of the other you know, paint stores, you know, that, oh, the only reason you get in the business because you're sleeping with the guys. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> that uh, rebel, no, well, welcome to a man's world. That's the, that's the, my, that's the mindset I was talking about from small town America, because uh, I, I in, in law enforcement, of course, when I was a correctional officer in a man's prison, oh, you just want to see naked men. No, not at all. <laughs> so you, know, that, you have no idea. It's not like it's bars, it's cells. And they have doors on them. There's no naked men. Just give me a, a break here. You know, but I got it. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, and it, if anything else, you know, Chris, it's like it gives you that little extra driving force of, oh, wow, you just set me on fire. You're in for trouble now, you know. <laughs> and, but, I you know, I did earn the respect mm -hmm. from, you know, those other salesmen. I also earned the respect of every uh, you know, body shop that I did business with, they started, they really looked out for me, you know, with somebody new came on the block they would say, you know, Hey, don't go down there because you're not going to walk out of that shop the same way you walked in. Don't go there. Right. So, <laughs> seriously. So they were protecting me, you know, and, and I, I became their counselor all, you know, all of a sudden it was like, Oh, barely. I got a problem with my girlfriend or I got a problem with my wife. You know, I got a problem with my kids, you know, which actually laid that basis for what I do today, you know, in that interaction. And you don't really look at it from that perspective when you're in it. You just do. 
because mm -hmm. that's what you do. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, looking back at all the different businesses, you know, that I went into after spending 18 years in that automotive business, the bonds and the friendship that were created are still there today. Mm -hmm. I still see some of these people today, you know, and then, um, you know, I, I, I got into that business at the right time, being a wagon jobber, meaning that I, I had a 20 foot truck. You open up at the back door, poof, there's the store. Right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I got out of it at the same, you know, at a really good time. You know, I spent that nine year run in Denver and then we moved to Las Vegas. And then I did just the um, detail aspect of it down there for another, what, seven or eight years before I really put myself 100% into the metaphysical realm of things and started really moving into what frequency and how it impacted me and the energy healing work and developed my psychic intuition really, really intently and started, I mean, I jumped in an RV and said, goodbye world and and just started running all over the u.s and i so i really been since the mid 90s been traveling i've been in every state of the union i've been all over mm -hmm. canada i've been in New mexico i've been overseas and that was also part of my list way back there in 74 you know so it, not everything may happen like poof you know instantly right but as time goes by everything that's been fulfilled on that list of what I needed to do, what I wanted to get out of, you know, so never give up on yourself. That is a strong, strong message for, I, I push the same message because when you come from so far beyond the tracks, you know, so to speak, I mean, I'm older than you are. And in the day divorce wasn't common. No. My father and my mother were both in the military. That's how they met. And when she got pregnant, the military says, you can't stay in the military and be pregnant. You can be a wife of a military person, but you can't be a military person. So they gave her a discharge. She was now the wife and it didn't stop any of the benefits. But when they got divorced, he put in a transfer, didn't tell her one day he just didn't come home. She went to her contacts out at the base or out at the post because he was army. And they said, well, he's, he's transferred. He's gone to another duty station. And that's when she realized it, it was done. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible family life. There was abuse, fights, breaking up fights. His kids got hurt more by breaking up the fights between him and her. He was a miserable alcoholic. She was physically violent. And so she turned to the church and the Catholic church told her, we'll help you because a woman cannot raise six kids on her own. And I turned eight in February and had my first Holy communion in May and June. It was the sixth of June. I became an orphan at an orphanage. My mother had dropped us off with the six of us. There was six of us, four, four, uh, four boys and, and my sister and I. And it was the most traumatic emotion in my life. So I understand that time, that era, those society norms. I've never been a fan of society norms since then because it was dictating and putting things in people's minds that they didn't have to be accountable or responsible for their actions and behaviors. And they could walk away. 
And to me, that started this disposable society that we have now some 40, 50 years later. So with that, I, you know, everybody has their own, their moments, but in 1973, I was the junior Olympic swimming champion in my age group, trying to go to the Olympics as an orphan in an orphanage. And I, I took my age group and I was beat out by a, game, a girl named Sharon Gould, who actually went to the Olympics in 74. And I think she got like a silver medal or something like that. So the fact was, is when I couldn't go to the Olympics, my dreams of, of being that competitive swimmer was gone because there was no way the orphanage was going to pay for me to be, you know, be sponsored by the Olympics. I was a minor. They weren't going to do that. So I understand that switch and that, that, that light going on. And I'm, I'm grateful that you talked about it, but I really like to talk about your energy healing because I'm an energy healer. I agree with frequencies. Everything is quantum physics. When you break it down, it's all scientifically proven. And What's your opinion on the placebo effect? I'm kind of curious. The placebo effect. Mm. You know, when you look at placebo, placebo starts with a P. Mm-hmm. And belief starts with a B. So if you look at the alphabet, B comes before P, right? <laughs> so when you believe beyond the shadow of a doubt, mm-hmm. That's what reality becomes. So with the placebo effect, you know, you have a belief in someone who's presenting, you know, so if if you go to a doctor because they are in, they are an authority, right? And so you believe that they are doing the best for you. I don't feel good. And they say, here, take this pill and it will make you better. Okay, there's no doubt, there's no questioning. It's like, because you feel so bad, if that pill's gonna make me feel so good, well, I can bring it on, right? <laughs> and, and, and so you do, whether you're an adult or a child, you don't question that. It's the belief that that pill is gonna make mm-hmm. all better what's broken, right? And so when, when you look at that from the perspective of not just you know an ailment type of thing, But when you begin to look within yourself and you have the emotional, the physical thing is simple to fix. It's the emotion and the mental upset that's damaging into that cell memory and it holds into that cellular structure. So when you're working with the emotional aspects of things, it's how do you communicate with that emotion? And again, you can use that placebo effect as well. When you start to understand what it's doing. So if if you've got stomach issues, right, and you're not digesting food, okay, well, you could take digestive enzymes, you know, you could take some probiotics and it's going to help that food, you know, do what it's supposed to do, right? But that doesn't fix the issue. It only puts a Band-Aid on it, Mm -hmm. right? So it works, but it doesn't fix it completely. When you understand what is it in your life that you're not able to stomach anymore? What is it that you can't digest? What is it that you are in denial of, Mm -hmm. right? And so when you start to look at those aspects, do you have to know every little morsel, you know, about what that is? No. No. 
You're never going to find it because only 5% of all of that garbage that's stored in your, in your cell memory is yours. Mm -hmm. The other 95% comes from others and old outdated database. Yeah. You watch a movie and it brings up sad moments and it brings up emotions. And so you grab onto that and it just intensifies. It fuels what you already have stored in your cells. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't know the difference. Your your cells don't know the difference. Your subconscious doesn't know the difference. So when that emotion comes up in an event, it brings all of the stuff out. And this is why sometimes you reach that point. Like I reached that point of anger when, you know, back in 1974, when I totally exploded and gave God a piece of my mind, it was releasing all of that. That wasn't even all mine. <laughs> right. <laughs> so when you can understand how that happens, because it's all energy. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when you look at a placebo, so when, when you're working on someone because they know it's time to release and it's time to surrender, it's time to let go of the things that no longer, you know, serve purpose. We have this thing about ownership, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All this stuff. I mean, look around your house. How much stuff do you have? Look, it's in your closet. How much stuff do you have in there that you don't use or haven't used, you know, in years? But you still have it and you don't want to let go of it because it's that lack mentality <clears throat> that we all suffer from to some degree or another. But when we understand it's an exchange of energy and what that is, clutter is clutter. Mm -hmm. If you got clutter up here, I guarantee you got clutter out here. The more clutter you can get free out here, the less clutter you have in here. And it's that conflict that goes on. So working that placebo is also when you study the different belief patterns and releasing patterns and the, the ability to use, you know, uh, um, techniques, you know, um, systems work, people don't. So when you have a technique and it runs in a system, like I've got a rah-rah system is what I call it. So that when you're looking to eliminate, you don't need to know what it is you're getting rid of. You just need to know that you're going to get rid of whatever it is that's causing this uncomfortable, emotional feeling every time this certain event happens or this certain person shows up or this certain thought comes into view. So it's to recognize. One, recognize Houston. Got a problem. Okay. That's my favorite saying. That is my, it is hysterical. I'll tell you why afterwards, but go ahead. So Houston's got a problem. So you recognize that. And then you have to acknowledge it as being your truth. Because you know what? In accordance to who's in rule is the subconscious in that cell memory. It's on autopilot. It's been there. It's part of your personality trait. And before you can release it, you have to acknowledge that it's truth. And then the subconscious drops its guard. It drops its ownership. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just by saying, you're right. Yep. That's truth. False truth, but hey, it's truth. You know, and then the third part is to release. Release what no longer is serving purpose. And, and I always teach my clients to put it in an incinerator. Just put this little incinerator out there in front of you and just let all of that stuff move out of your body, out of your energy field. You know, just see it, you know, 
just pretend you see it going into this incinerator mm -hmm. because that's transformation. Fire transforms. And when things are transformed, you can't go back and get them because there's <laughs> nothing there to get. <laughs> when you try to change and say, okay, I'm going to change this and you just rewire or, or restate something in a different format, it's still there to fall back and get what the original thing was. Right. But when you incinerate it, it's transformed. You can't go get it again because it's gone. Ownership is gone. But what happens with energy, and you know this, Chris, the energy, what's left is there's a void. Hmm. And if you study science, there, you can't have a void. <laughs> There's something in that void. So you put into that void what you want, because if you don't, we live in a negative world. Mm -hmm. That next thought that comes in that's not a, a positive thought is going to jump in there and it's going to start building on something you don't want. So the replacing is, is step number four, which is really relevant. Replace it. Replace it with I am loved. I am powerful. Mm -hmm. I'm unstoppable. <laughs> I'm grateful. You know, all of these first person positive statements and then forgive yourself for the incorrect perceptions. Forgive everybody who played a role in that. Right. So you're now releasing and and changing and altering everything. And that's that's part of that placebo because you can't see it. You can't smell it. You can't taste it. Right. But it's there. The belief and the knowing that it's there and just follow through with it. That's part of that placebo activity. Just going on blind faith and trust. And that faith yeah. and trust has to be here first. So once you've replaced it, then the last step is to accept that. So embrace yourself and accept it as your new truth. And the subconscious then starts to play that tape instead of the other one you just got rid of. So I hope that kind of makes sense. It it does. It does. Most people don't realize and and what and with the placebo effect is that in research doctors will give you a blue pill and me a red pill and say this is going to cure you and out of again the trust in that doctor saying this pill is going to help you you believe that it's healing your body. You believe that it's fixing what's wrong with you right you believe so much so you don't doubt you have no doubts in the world and so even though it's a sugar pill your belief system like you said feels it's healing it, it, it you're healing you're no longer sick you're no longer coughing you're no longer having stomach pains you're no longer having any of these symptoms because the doctor gave you a pill right he just didn't tell you that it was a sugar pill and that your mind actually, because of your trust and your beliefs, healed itself. Exactly. And, and it, yes. So in doing yeah. so, the placebo effect, and I use this too, and I asked this of healers, and I love the way that you answered it. I absolutely loved it. Um, but the shorter version is, is that when you trust yourself enough to know and get out of your own thoughts and out of your own way, like you said, and start scanning your body, feeling where you have a pain. Why are you having this pain? What are you eating? Go within. What are you worried about? What are you thinking about? A lot of things. Worry can cause a body so much stress and pain that worry can kill a person. 
Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, that's the, that's directly connected with stress. And it's been proven, science has proven mm -hmm. that stress is the number one killer because it's triggering everything, mm -hmm. you know? And so that de-stressor is necessary. You know, there is no boogeyman other than the one you create up here in the six inches, right? I love that. And it absolutely is. It is that tornado they create above their head that I oh. call it, that, they, that they've that they got this what it could have should as I need a boo, but ah, but yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it is. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. And you're absolutely right. But let's now talk about spiritual wellness. How do you go about working with your clients on spiritual wellness? Oh, that's a great question. You know, spiritual wellness comes in a lot of different degrees and a lot of different phases, you know, and, you know, I was, oh, meditate. Okay. <laughs> and how am I supposed to do that? Okay. Right. You're sitting here. Oh, <laughs> I don't <laughs> just so you know, I don't, I don't, that, that is not what true meditation is. We meditate is just another word It's when you are in prayer, prayer is like being in that meditation. Daydreaming is being in a meditation. It's altering the state of where you are, of your consciousness. It's moving you away from all the static around. And some of the simplest ways to start, you know, helping yourself to begin to relax is to breathe. Mm. Now we do that supposedly unconsciously, we better or we wouldn't be walking around, right? But the thing is, is when you become conscious of your breath and you just breathe in through your nose because the oxygen then goes directly to your brain. So your olfactory bulb lies right here. And it's the only part of your inside, which is a part of your brain that is exposed to the exterior through the nasal passages. Okay. You know, so when you breathe that oxygen in, it's going to highlight everything in your brain. It's going to oxygenate it, turn the light bulbs on. And then as you breathe out, you breathe out through your mouth. It helps to detox and it helps to relax. So as you breathe in, and just relax as your ego out, oh, you know, and just allow your body to just collapse into that. And when you can take three deep breaths like that, it starts that relaxation. It reduces the stressors. Your cortisol stop running. The, the different hormones, the different dopamines and all these things that are firing because you're all worked up you know so so when you <laughs> when, when you think about it seriously think mm -hmm. about it you know when you get angered and you're ready to go after somebody you're all and your whole body's tense you know it's like oh man you know you're going you're, you're after them right well what does it do i mean just just thinking about that right it's yes. like is it worth it no because the person that's you're damaging is here. Houston is the one that's taken the fault, right? Nobody can hurt you other than how you perceive, you know, and interpret, you know, and react to what their actions are. So everything's action, reaction, you know, so rather than get all stirred up about that, just stop for a moment, take a deep breath and say, okay, this too shall pass. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Getting all this oxygenation over here going on. Yeah. You but know, so I, I want to explain Houston, we have a problem. We're of the same genre, genre and generation. Yes. And the fact is, is back in the day, whenever they sent up a space missile with astronauts in it, 
if there was a problem, the astronauts would always say, Houston, we have a problem because it all stemmed from Houston. I recently was supposed to go to a spiritual conference down in South Florida. Well, they didn't tell me that they had canceled it. So I had booked a hotel, booked the flights, had my husband run me to the, to the, to the airport, um, got an Uber, got there, went up to the room and I come back down after eating dinner. And I was like, okay. So I went to the desk and wanted to find out where everything was. And they said, we don't have this event here. We don't know what you're talking about. And so I calmly call my husband. And the first thing I say is Houston, we have a problem. (laughs) And he's like, what's going on, honey? And I said, well, guess what? I flew down here. It's um, I have a reservation here at the hotel and there's no event. He said, what? Are you kidding me? And he's starting to get triggered. And I said, well, Houston, we have a problem. He goes, I'll call you back. So I didn't get triggered. I don't get triggered. But it was the fact that it was just, that is my go-to saying. When anything is going awry and it's not adding up, it's like, Houston, we have a problem. And my husband, um, 18, he was 18 when Apollo 13 went and landed on the moon in 1969. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so he was, uh, um, it, it's like memorable. He's all about space and, and, and uh, the Apollo missions and the astronauts and stuff. So this is the one way to, to, he knows that I can say Houston, I have a problem. And he knows I'm extremely serious about it, even right. though most people are like, what Houston's got a problem. <laughs> It is a generation yeah. thing. So I, I just had to share that with you because it's amazing. But in, in the categories of spiritual awareness, mm-hmm. where do you start your client off? And this, what steps? Well, let's say if you were, if I was your client mm-hmm. and I had a problem with, let me just hypothetically say overthinking, which, okay, I don't. But let's just say that hypothetically, what would your steps be to recommend for me to not to put you on the spot, but how would you help me in my spiritual awareness? Okay, so in that overthinking, what happens with overthinking is go back into the depth of why are you overthinking? Because you're seeking one approval. Okay. And secondly, um, what if I do it wrong instead of right? Right. And it's like, wow, what are people going to think about me? Because it's like out of character. It's so different. But I, I feel comfortable with it. But I don't know if I should do it because people not like, they might not like me anymore. Right? They'll make fun of me. You know, <laughs> so it's all this brain channel, all this behind the scenes. So you overthink and you start to justify, okay, if I do it this way, no, I better do it that way because then that'll take care of them not making fun of me and maybe just like, Oh yeah, well that's okay. Whatever, you know? And then you start justifying other things and it's like, yeah, you can make a joke out of it. So if it goes South on me, I don't have to look like a failure and they're not going to say, told you it didn't work. Told you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, So that's what overthinking is all about. So when, you know, how I would share that with my clients is, you know, just kind of making some of those, those, perceptions think of it from a different perspective so when you because you know when you're overthinking you know that oh you do you do yeah and so when you begin your overthinking say wait a minute what am i trying to justify to fit in 
where am I trying to take me, my true identity? It goes back to that again. The identity of who I am, what my belief is, what my passion is, what my voice is that I want to speak. What am I compromising? Overthinking is compromising the truth and the belief of who you are Mm -hmm. from the heart, from the soul. Mm -hmm. So know when you're overthinking, you are doing what? You're not being true to yourself. Because I guarantee every time you overthink (laughs) and you stop or you only half-ass it, shall we say? Yes. When it's all said and done, now you beat yourself up. I could, I should, oh my God, why did I do that again? Right? Mm -hmm. So stop it when you begin that overthinking. Say, no, I am going to be 100% true to myself. If someone has a, you know, a problem with Houston's expression, it's <laughs> their problem, not yours, because they can interpret, they can react to your action, however they choose, because they have a database of information mm-hmm. that's giving them their reaction. So all life is based on action and reaction. Right. Cause. Yes, absolutely. Right. So know what you're causing (laughs) and know the effects that it could possibly, you have no control over what they are. Just like no one has control over how you react to someone else's action, you know, and you're the one who can stop a reaction from getting out of control, out of hand, just by how you respond differently. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to throw somebody way off their game, you know, <laughs> when when they're looking to pick an argument and go on the defense, say, hey, how'd you like that game last night? You know, are you a Raiders fan? Are you a Broncos fan? Or, you know, and, and they're going to like, what? What are you mm-hmm. talking about? And, and it just stops everything. Okay. So know when you're an overthinker. Mm -hmm. What is the excuse you're trying to create and what is it that you're trying to fit in or be accepted? Because again, that goes back into childhood. And, and this is another great thing when, when you have that, that's when the little rah-rah system is do it right there on the spot. Like, Whoa, (laughs) Hey, I can get rid of this because when you run this rah-rah system and you really start to understand it and you incorporate into your life, 60 seconds or less is going to change that because why? It created a transformation, not a change, a total transformation. Because you did what? You dumped it in the incinerator, right? Mm-hmm. And you reprogrammed that database to say what you want it to be. You know, so that's how I work with clients is really working with that and the and understand the importance of what this brain chatter is. And regardless of what it is you call you know, call it. And and I also share a couple comments. What the mind can, can, what the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. Yes. And then I take it one step further. It it doesn't matter what other people think, say, or feel about you. It only matters what you think, see, and feel about Houston. I love it. I love it. Um, I, uh, I've uh, 21 years of my 40 years in law enforcement, I dealt with troubled youth. 
And none of them knew that I was a throwaway kid myself. None of them knew I grew up in an orphanage because I didn't want them to see me as weak. Right. And so, or that, you know, oh, she's one of us. We don't have to pay attention to her. We don't have to listen to her. So I didn't want that. So it was, it was all about guiding them, giving them that support, giving them that individual to talk to, giving them some um, inspiration, motivation, and understanding that the first thing you need in your life, no matter who you are, is your education. That's the first thing that you can be really, really be successful about. I mean, other than every day making your bed. This is one of the first life passages that that kids can accomplish that nobody can ever take away from them, no matter what their life is before that point. But now you have the structure and the foundation to be able to say, okay, where in my life, I couldn't go to college. I couldn't afford it. it. College was something that was for the rich people that had money that, you know, could get it no matter how much, well, not only for that, but also I was a female. And so we didn't have the support of the sports to be able to get scholarships in sports for females like they did for the males in football, basketball, baseball, right. that kind of stuff. And so the evolution of seeing this happening, I love. But my, but the one thing that I loved about what you said is that you can do anything. And that was my light switch moment. And I've never looked back. Well, you can't look back because a lot of people do. They doubt themselves. A lot of people do. They do. But when you know you can do anything, you're limitless. You can accomplish anything. Me going to the police academy here in Tennessee at 60 years of age and graduating. Mm -hmm. I wasn't the fastest, but I wasn't at the back of the pack either. And I was the oldest one in class, but it was my determination, my drive, my thriving, my mindset that I was going to succeed. I, in my mind, succeeded before I ever applied. And that has a lot to do with how you can motivate yourself. I love what you talked about in spiritual wellness, but the reason why I'm bringing this up is I want to talk about mind over matter. And that was just in, in that it is a mind over matter thing. Yes, You can do anything. There is no limits. The limits are what we create. That is so true. Because again, it it always goes back to Houston, right? And if you have a limiting belief, you have a limiting trust. Mm -hmm. If you don't trust yourself, no one else is going to trust you. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe in yourself, no one else is going to believe you. If you don't love yourself, no one else is going to love you. Mm -hmm. Right? And again, it's what you give within yourself, and if you don't give 100% to the self, you cannot give 100% out of yourself. You know, I hear a lot of people say, you know, I love my kids more than, more than what? More than you love yourself? How much you love yourself? <laughs> right? You know? I love that. It's true. It's so true that because you, that's why I love it. That's right. So if you only love yourself like 70%, you cannot give that child or anyone else out there 100% because you don't have it. It's no different than if I ask you for 100 bucks and you say, well, I only got 70. Well, I need 100. Well, tough. I got how I got 70. Right. So you cannot give me more mm-hmm. than what you have. And that goes with everything in life. Right. You know, so when you talk about mind over matter, 
Matter is what? Matter is substance. Matter is what this is made of. Mm -hmm. Right. And how did it get to be that? Did it just like poof? No, it started with a thought. Yes. And then someone took that thought and said, hmm, if I take these different materials, which are at a slower vibration, and if I mold it this way and that way and do whatever, you know, all of a sudden we have this nice glass, right? And then we decorate it. So that begins with the mind, turns into matter. So if you don't mind, it don't matter. <laughs> okay? and, and when when we create that matter of negative thinking, you know, science has a way of just doing it. It's what you focus on is what you get. So mm -hmm. if you're focusing on something, you know, like fear, that fear is going to show up in whatever aspect element that you want it to. Right. Well, there's this, the fear of failure, you know, a fear of success because they're both different fear mm -hmm. of losing your house, fear of death, feel of, you know, fear of standing on stage speaking, fear, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. If you focus on that, what the mind can conceive and believe it achieves, mm -hmm. it turns it into matter. It turns it into reality. So when you're looking at mind over matter, know what's going on up here in your mind. What is it that you are creating? Focus on the things that you want, not the things that you don't want. Because the words like no and don't and not are not picked up. The only thing that gets picked up is the verb and the noun. None of the adverbs or adjectives. And most, you know, most people out there probably have no clue what I'm even talking about, right? No, they do. They do. They all had to go through English at some point. They all any, had to go through any descriptive word is not relevant when designing an outcome. That's mm -hmm. why. That's why first-person positive is what's necessary. The two most powerful words in the dictionary are "I am." Mm. So when you say I am, you're asked, you're right now, it's on the spot. It's that belief in the moment, in the now, because I am is total presence. Whatever you add behind it and whatever oomph you give it, yes, that's what's going to come into fruition. I love that. I absolutely love so we, that. Be careful what you say after I am. It's just, it's, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, be careful what your words are because you could put something out there and you may get it and you may not like it. Well, you know, it, and when you're speaking words of anger, upset, frustration, you know, let's just say, you know, driving, because sometimes driving and people like, you know, oh my gosh, they can get in your way when you're going down the road, right? We all experience that. You know, let's just say you're having a bad day. Somebody cuts you off. And so now you just explode on them. You throw out this rage, you know, and, and, and you put that out there with such force that, you know, crazy driving, you know, you're going to cause a wreck, right? Two miles down the road here, their car is flipped over in the ditch. Did you create that? Probably did because you're so distracted by your anger that you you're not thinking clearly and you're not noticing, you know, that the light just turned red and you go through a red light. And so 
Exactly. Yes, that is part of distractive driving is anger. Exactly. It's, it's what you express, mm-hmm. you know, so think before you think it <laughs> and put impact to it and make it an expression because when you verbalize things, that changes the whole arena of everything. That's the power, the power of the spoken word. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's a couple of books out on that, the power of the spoken word. And if you're a reader, it's it's just a really small, short read. I think there's maybe a hundred pages in this book, but it's so impactful because how you speak mm-hmm. is how you become. Right. And, you know, these are things that, you know, both you and I have learned over the years. You know, I've been on the planet for 72 years. Right. You've been on the planet for, you know, 72 years. Well, there you go. So we do know something, you know, and we do live it. And and again, it goes back when you're talking about the mind over matter. Mm -hmm. That also has a lot to do with walk the talk. Yes. Right. Are you talking the talk? I mean, yeah, how many times have you heard they'll say, well, they talk a mean story, mm-hmm. <laughs> which means they're not following through. Correct. So if you walk your truth, and this is why it's really important to know <clears throat> your identity. What is it that constitutes who you are? Mm-hmm. What is your truth? Mm-hmm. Speak it, be it. Live it. And when you're the truth and it all comes out, you don't have to worry about a facade. You don't have to worry about something coming up to bite you in the backside because you didn't think anybody was going to find out. It always comes around. <laughs> it does. So if, it if, if every, does. Everything, you, everything you say and do is just that, then you're, you're open. You're an open book. And nothing can bite you from the backside. Mm, that's funny. I love that. I love that. But like, I, I'd like to talk about your gifts and your talents now. Can we talk about those? Versus your healing workshops, sure. your psychic surgeon, and helping people find their true identity. They kind of all incorporate together. You know, I, I okay. like to work with nature too, um, because the animal spirits have information for you. We have messages all around us. You know, the wind gives you message, the the air gives you messages, the sun gives you messages, the earth gives you messages, rocks, trees, you know, sound, all of these things are vibration. They all give you special messages. So how do you learn to pay attention to everything, you know, around you? When an animal crosses my path, I'm grateful. And it's like, what's the message you're giving me? You know, so I, I, I teach different um Uh, elements where I have what's called the sacred wheel, which is based on the medicine wheel, which is the elements and, and um, color, sound, you know, the astrology, Mm -hmm. everything incorporated in, which really gives you your identity from every aspect. It's a powerful, powerful uh, program. And it's between a five and seven day retreat. And I'm getting ready to put some more of those out. I do teach psychic surgery. And you say, well, what is psychic surgery? And again, you go back into that placebo, Mm -hmm. right? Psychic surgery is removing something. So if you have, you know, so let's say Houston has an issue inside. And I'm going to give one. And this happens to be my sister. And 
And this was back um, in the 90s. She was living in Denver. I was living in Las Vegas. And she called me freaking out because she had this growth in her uterus. And it was a tumor. And they've been watching it for several years. All of a sudden, it started growing pretty fast. Now, she had been under anesthesia when she had her kids. And so she's allergic. She died on the table. So that going under surgery is a greater fear. That was a greater fear than what was taking place in this growth situation. And she knew that that I did psychic surgery, meaning that you intuitively go in energetically, remove it where the consciousness in the matter world, it's mm-hmm. also eliminated at the same time. Because again, it's all developed out here in energy mm-hmm. before it solidifies. So when she shared with me and, and I finally got her calmed down was, okay. And this was like on a Thursday, I said, do you trust me? Yes. Okay. So then just know when you go back to the doctors on Monday, you go to the hospital and they're going to take another, you know, picture of it and, you know, get you prepped and everything that they're going to find nothing. Can you do that for me? Can you believe that? And she said, yes. So again, now that's plus she trusted in me. There's your placebo. She Mm -hmm. trusted in me and it was greater than her fear. And so when she went into the hospital on Monday and they took a picture of it, because when I, once I got in there, I took it out. There was a couple small ones and there was a big one. It wasn't a malignancy, but that didn't matter because in the brain, mm-hmm. you know, the brain does it. But I looked at her fallopian tubes too, and they were like a disaster. It's like, what a mess. So what I did is I energetically replaced them. You know, with newer ones, right? Cleaned up the whole uterus and everything and made it look nice and pretty in there. Okay. And so when she went to the hospital and they, of course, had all of her x-rays and everything over the years. So they took a picture because they wanted to size it up so that they could go in and do the surgery. Right. They're like, there's nothing here. They looked at the old x-rays and they looked at the new x-rays like, Okay, there's no growth in here. These don't even look like the same fallopian tubes and everything else. Nothing looks the same in here. What the heck just happened? You know, <laughs> and now they're like on the ultrasounds and they're looking at all of this, right? And all of these x rays couldn't be wrong over the years to what they're doing right now in live time. They're like, well, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing there. So, go home. <laughs> you know, now th- this is, this is interesting. This is on a Monday. She's all excited, right? She goes home, she goes shopping, right? And everything else. And it's like Wednesday or Thursday. And I call her and I say, well, how did things go on Monday? She goes, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> that is hysterical. So what you're looking at, and, and this is reality. And again, when when I teach people how to become their own psychic surgeons and remove the matter things, the things that have gone on. But the most fun part is being able to see it in the field, see it in the energy Mm -hmm. field before it has a chance to manifest into matter and how to remove those things. And again, it goes back into a lot of that recognizing those truths. But it's like opening these eyes. You know, we talk about the third eye. It's seeing beyond the energy. 
-hmm. Now, some people see, some people feel. You know, and when you can scan a body, the energy, you're going to feel it through the hand chakra. You're going to feel that difference. You know, so I teach like 18 different chakras, how each one of them connects to a different element within the body. What are the emotions attached to it? And how you can start that repair motion. You know, I, I've never been a really, you know, sick a day in my life. Because for me, sick was not an option. Mm -hmm. And I built that into my reality, into my cell structure from little on, because being second oldest, right, of 11, you know, how do you get attention? Well, you know, here's this little <clears throat> intuitive Beverly that didn't even know what this was going on. I think you'll find this a humorous story. So when <laughs> in the wintertime, it was cold and everybody's locked inside, you know, and they all flu season, you know, you get colds and everything. It's like, hmm, if everybody's sick and I'm not, <laughs> guess who gets mom's attention and dad's attention? Oh, you know? <laughs> so love the reverse psychology. <laughs> love, love, love the reverse so psychology. So here's this little deceiving me, you know, this little, yeah, whatever. It's like, okay, I got to make sure everybody's sick at the same time. Did I create that? You know, I think sometimes I did, not all of it, but I think I did just to be able to have that attention. So I didn't allow myself to be sick. Now, granted, I'd have to take them water and I'd have to take the, you know, the puke bucket and everything else. But you know what? I still had the attention, you know, all by myself. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. So. When you talk about helping others find their true identity, what are you talking about? It's really starting to pay attention to who is the soul of who you are? What's your journey here? You know, where's your passion? If you can, you know, start playing the what if game. Let's go back to the what if, the pretend, because everyone has that little child. You know, it's like if you could do anything in the world, nothing in the way. You, know, you had all the money if that's what you needed. You had all the traveling ability, you know, whatever it is. What is it you would want to do? What is it you would want to be? And so when you can really start to embellish and reflect on what is your truth and what is that desire, that drive to have, to be, and to accomplish by playing that what if game, create and design a vision board. Because when you see it, seeing is believing. But you know what? Believing is seeing. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so it works on both avenues. But we are in this 3D dimensional matter world. Sometimes <laughs> we need to have the, the seeing thing there before we can believe. Right. And again, that's that placebo. So if that picture is your placebo, then hang on to it. But bring it into the now that, and you have to speak it as you know, because when you say, I am going, the ING going is movement. So as it's going and you're chasing it, so, so it's like, I have, mm -hmm. this is mine. Lay ownership and, and grab onto it as if it were already in the present. Mm. The past is behind you. Yes. The future is in front of you. They are... They are something like, you know, the past you can't change because it's done. The mm -hmm. future, 
you don't know what's going to be because you don't know if you're going to wake up tomorrow to get there. Mm -hmm. So all you have is the present. If you focus on your past, your present's going to look, your, your future is going to look like that past because you're mm -hmm. living in the past and the present. So now is your time to design and create what you want your reality to be. You know, look at what are your assets. And if you don't know what your assets are, then ask somebody else, you know, say, <laughs> hey, you know, I, I want to ask you this crazy question. But do you see me having any assets? What what do you see me being worth or doing anything? You know, you are going to be blown out of the water by what people will say to you like, oh, my God gosh, yeah, you're great at this and you're great at that and you do this and you did it and did it and you're going to be like, whoa. Now pay attention to that and listen to it and start to develop that. Start really being aware that you are an expression of that. Mm. You know, and then also ask and say, you know, what are the things that you don't like most about me? You know? That's being extremely vulnerable, and a lot of people can't do that. I'm mm -hmm. just saying they have a hard time doing it because yeah. it, it 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 they're asking for a judgment. Well, and they if, really if you, shouldn't be asking for a judgment. If you're, if you're gonna if you're gonna think it's a judgment, then it's gonna be a judgment. But when mm -hmm. you, it's a truth. It's not a judgment. It's a truth. How, you know how? What do you think I could be improved with? You know what? What? But so you it, just it, rephrased yeah. your sentence. Yeah. And so, so that, yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, so, but again, what is it a detriment? You know, mm -hmm. one of the, the fastest, easiest, simplest ways to know when Houston has one of these <clears throat> defaults, you know, shall we say, that we <laughs> don't want to look at and we're, you know, oversighting right. is when someone triggers a feeling in you that's uncomfortable. When someone makes a comment that wants you to chase down their juggler, right? Now say, oh, wow. And so when you see in others what you don't like, that you think they should change, now the eyes are the reflection. Turn that inward. Where do I see that in here? Mm -hmm. And start making those changes. So when you change that in here, you're not going to see it in others because it's not there. It was always here. Yes. You yes. know, so that's another, you know, unvulnerable way, shall we say. <laughs> but but then don't lie to yourself about it. Right. You know, absolutely. And, and, and really start to be honest with yourself. So if you're going to find your identity, you got to stop the lie. you got to stop the facade. Yes. The values beyond the illusions. Absolutely. I yeah. love that. But I want to talk to you about you're also I'm, I'm an international bestseller. One of my books just made it to the top 50 of thinkers, T-H-I-N-K-E-R-S-360.com, which is a, uh, a company that recommends books for influencers, CEOs, and others to read what is the top. And one of, one of my books is in the top 50. So let's talk about your book and, and uh, uh, what was the name of it and, and where can people get that if they want to get it? <laughs> Oh, gosh, I got several books out there. You know, they're on Amazon. Um, one is Which Side of the Fence Are You On?, which is that world of duality. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the power formula. Uh, right now, I don't know what's going on with Amazon. They've got things messed up. But if you want the power formula, which really talks a lot about everything that I shared here today, 
just, you know, reach out to me, you know, in an email at Beverly at BeverlyZimet.com. So that's pretty simple. And and say you're interested in that book and, um, you know, we'll get you one. Um, I do also have another book out on essential oils. It's actually a reference book, you know, and it's a training. Um, and I and I do a, a I teach essential oils how to how to blend and how to um, smell and how to create mm. and apply essential oils, you know, which also help to enhance and make some of those transformations for you as well. You know, so and, and then I collaborated a couple other books, you know, so they're out there. But uh, right now, the best way to reach me, like I said, is on that um, in that email and uh, we'll get you everything because I've got a lot of things under construction right now. And I will I will have a, a link for you at the time, you know, to be able to get you into that contact. I, I'm all over social media. You know, I'm on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Pinterest. So uh, on, I don't, is it one on Facebook? Is that your? I, I don't believe there's a dot. I think it's just Beverly Zymet dot one. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, and then on LinkedIn, it's it it you didn't it didn't it just says feed on here, so I didn't know what. Yeah, I I don't know, but all I know is when I'm like, you put that, that in, it shows up, you know, and mm -hmm. it's it's under Beverly Zymet. It's under my name, Beverly Zymet. Um, okay. Yeah, it so, and Twitter is under Beverly Zymet. Uh, E-I-M-E-T. So I, I just want everybody to know. Yeah, I just want everybody to know how to, the correct spelling, one, and two, how they could reach out and get a hold of you for right. any of your services. So um, I, I'm honored. I'm honored. You speak my language. You're part of my tribe. <laughs> it's like, woo-woo. I love this. I love this. So hang on just a minute. Hold on one second. It takes a special kind of individual to dream their thoughts and ideas and turn it into the reality. Beverly Zimet has done just that. She stepped past her fears. She stayed the course and had the courage to follow through to the end. Beverly, you've championed yourself. Now we know who you've become. Thank you for sharing your ideas, your thoughts and dreams with us today and all the things that you do for humanity. I'm honored and I am excited that you were here today. Thank you so much.